Hello, and welcome back to Parallel Passion. Before we begin, I'd like to sincerely thank everyone who supports this show on Patreon. If you wish to join those awesome people, go to patreon.com slash or follow the link in the show notes. Today I'm joined by Matiz Jurnic. Before you listen any further, I really recommend you check out his Instagram. He makes these amazing concrete sculptures that audio does not do justice. So we talked about those and the story behind them, but the majority of the podcast revolves around stoicism. While the episode is a bit darker than usual, it's also one of the most thought-provoking ones. I love discussing these topics because it seems no one else will, and I hope you'll find it interesting as well. Anyway, enough of me, here's Matiz. Hi Matiz, welcome to Parallel Passion. Hey Miha, how's it going? It's good, how are you? I'm pretty well, doing fine. Yeah, it's morning and... Good morning. So it's early morning. It's early morning, and we're in the same time zone. So I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Yeah, is it is it very foggy in Ljubljana? Uh, not so much. No, but it is cloudy. Yeah, and uh, typical autumn weather. Mm. Yeah. So why don't we start by you telling like uh, a bit about yourself? Uh, okay. Well, my name is Matits, and I'm a software and web engineer from Slovenia. So that makes me your fellow countryman, Miha, <laughs> uh, with the difference that you live in the city and I live in the countryside. Uh, what I do for a living is that I work at a company called Nightwatch that I co-founded with my friend and business partner, Aliash, a couple of years ago. So we're a bootstrap company that works completely remotely. Um, We've grown to like seven people and our main focus is working on a product that uh, monitors and analyzes your search engine optimization efforts. And we and our users as well uh, call it a Swiss army knife for marketers and growth hackers. Mm -hmm. Our goal is to make Nightwatch an indispensable tool for every webmaster, SEO consultant or basically anybody who wants to track and improve their search visibility on search engines. And your role there is mostly uh, as a developer or are you doing other things? Uh, Yes. uh, Up until now, I was almost 100% uh, in development zone, featuring, I mean, coding features and everything that comes uh, into the software development. But Recently, I've been trying to transition a bit into more like a management role uh, because the team is growing and certain techniques have to be implemented in order to to keep our productivity high. Mm. So, yeah, basic uh, management problems. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. we're all there. (laughs) Yeah. I, I can't get by your uh, website, which is uh, codeandtechno.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, why why did you choose this name? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty self-explanatory, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, because my life is code and also techno. Um, oh, yeah, I like to listen to techno when I code. I guess that's it. <laughs> um, were you always a, a fan of techno? Because like I, I see you sometimes at this. Uh, well, we we meet each other at techno parties, and um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've been into techno music since my adolescent years, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and since then, I my my music my musical tastes shaped into 
something that's a bit more uh, in the dark and mysterious spectrum uh, into techno music that is very, uh, how should I put this, elaborate and involving many carefully arranged parts and details uh, and carefully placed elements of, I don't know, aggression and romance as well. So it's, uh, I enjoy pieces like that, like in music. And you think this is specific only to techno, like that this does not happen in, in other genres? Uh, no, of course not. It's happening all over the place. You just have to, I mean, once you develop your taste, you stick with it. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, and your musical taste is ever an ever-changing thing, right? Yeah. You're never stuck into some band that you listen to all uh, over again all the time. Yeah, no, yeah, I, 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 I agree. Do you have, like, a favorite artist, or...? Uh, I have a very soft spot for underground artists, mm -hmm. like underdogs, um, and I don't know, there's just so many of them, like, it's hard to, to point at them at this moment, mm -hmm. but what I really, who I really like at this moment is um, people like uh, Elad Magdasi, uh, Shinra, Kyle Geiger, um, Basically, people who play in Berghain <laughs> in Berlin. <laughs> Have you managed to get into Berghain? Uh, yeah, <laughs> several times. <laughs> oh, oh, nice. Uh, yeah. well, actually, can you give like a quick explanation for listeners uh, what Berghain is and, and why is it such a fascination? Oh, uh, sure. Um, yeah, years ago, I think in 2015, uh, we traveled to Berlin with my friend Aliash and he took me to to Berghain, right? Uh, basically, it's a club where it's very hard to get in. Um, you must not give away the fact that you're a tourist or don't speak German. Or if you wear normie or fancy clothes, <laughs> <laughs> you're probably going to get rejected. Uh, inside this club, it's, it's a very special place. It's actually full of uh, debauchery, extremities, uh, hedonism. There's no rules i mean almost no rules and the biggest names and underground techno music play there they they don't the bouncers don't want you to take any pictures so they put a sticker on your phone <laughs> and if you see and if they see uh, you using your phone or taking pictures they throw you out forever uh basically berghain is uh, a huge uh, x power plant that has been converted in a, into a techno club. And it looks very industrial. It has these huge ceilings. It's uh, exposed raw concrete and, and metals. I mean metal. Uh, parties last from Friday until Monday. and Continuously, we, we must add, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it's when you stand in the row waiting to get in, uh, it gets pretty... It gets pretty anxious, actually, because uh, in the end, you are kind of being judged if you are cool enough to get in, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I've been rejected a lot of times as well. And I was like, oh, shit, I, I have to go home and cry. <laughs> <laughs> But no, once, uh, once the bouncers change uh, their shift, you can go back and try again. 
you, you mentioned that um, exposed concrete, and I think it's a very brutalist looking building because, yeah, like you said, it used to be a power plant. Um, where does your fascination with this brutalism uh, or like concrete come from? Because one of the things I, I have to mention that I will put in the show notes is you make like this amazing sculptures made from concrete. And um, where where does this fascination come from? Why did you why did you start this? Um, yeah, um, so in my free time, I work uh, with concrete and do concrete sculptures. Uh, that doesn't mean I use a chisel and a hammer, <laughs> but uh, the process is that I create molds, sometimes with a very complicated shape, and then I just pour the, the concrete in, wait it to cure, and and I take the sculpture out. That's the general process that I usually do. Um, you ask me why I like this, right? Yeah. Where where does the fascination come from? Like, why did you start this? Working with computers, I was always looking for some means of escaping from this digital environment that we surround ourselves with every working day, right? And I really needed something tangible i really needed something real to work with to, to touch with my hands um and i was always in love with the texture of concrete uh, and how it looks um and i have to say it's it's very funny that you mentioned Berkheim because that's where it's all clicked <laughs> <laughs> a couple of years ago yeah when i was there for the first time i was seeing these brutalist uh uh, houses with exposed and industrial vibe and i can remember at that time when uh, we got home back from the party with aliash we uh, we chilled a bit and i said hey man when when i get home i'm gonna make something out of concrete i promise you that <laughs> and that's that's where it all started like three years ago when i i got home and started creating with concrete and i got hooked <laughs> what was the first thing you built it's a picture frame. Uh, it's uh, I had a photo that I wanted to frame, and I figured the perfect way is to do it out of concrete. So that's that's the first <laughs> yeah. thing. That's the first thing I did, and then uh, after that, I started uh, doing some functional stuff. For example, uh, lamps that you put on your desk on an or on a nightstand, and I did a lot of these lamps and. I had so many, I started giving them away, right, to my friends. <laughs> so uh, as I gave them away, people started seeing these lamps at my friend's apartments, and they started calling me, right? I need this lamp. <laughs> How much do you want <laughs> for it? Uh, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I have never imagined this. This could happen, that I could start selling these uh, concrete bricks with a lamp uh, inside it for for money you know and started happening so now quite a quite a lot i mean quite a couple of people uh, got the lamp um do you ship outside slovenia because i imagine shipping concrete is not uh, not an easy task not yet but i'm trying to make this these lamps uh hollow you know so mm -hmm. it's not like 10 kilos for a little <laughs> lamp <laughs> But it's, it comes to just uh, two kilograms, which you can easily ship 
without uh, any big costs. Yeah, one of the things I saw was uh, this fascinating thing um a fibonacci uh clock right mm-hmm. um i'm i was sort of familiar with the concept but i never saw it like um in in action um how did you come by the idea to make it out of concrete yeah the story is that i purchased on kicks there was a guy on kickstarter doing these fibonacci clocks mm-hmm. and he was selling um a wooden uh, encasing for this clock right and he he provided multiple packages for for his product and i happened to order just the just the the electronics part without uh, the housing for it mm-hmm. and i got this uh by email i mean by mail uh i opened the package and i've seen Oh, it's just electronics. What can I do with this? <laughs> so, so then it hit me. Let's let's do this thing out of concrete. It's gonna be a challenge. Then I ended up with a Fibonacci clock that weighs like a small child. <laughs> yeah, for for all the listeners, I really recommend them to follow you on on Instagram because now. Um, I think you moved away from electronics and like, cause even lamp has some electronics in it, but what you're doing now, at least from my perspective is like very low tech sculptures made out of concrete. Yeah. I transitioned more from uh, making functional uh, pieces or pieces of little furniture into something more artistic, uh, which, uh, which provides more joy for me Mm -hmm. because once you start doing stuff uh, routinely and everything is the same, you just lose the drive for uh, making this stuff anymore. So I'm trying to perfect my uh, process in making these sculptures uh, as elaborate as possible uh, with many different moving parts. And I guess my goal with these sculptures is uh, for people to see them and feel and imagine themselves in a different time and space, right? Because a lot of times people, when uh, they observe my sculptures and say, oh, damn, I, I want to be inside that sculpture, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it reminds them of a house or an architectural thing or something, even that wasn't actually the purpose of it. So it's really funny to see uh, all the reactions. My first fascination with stuff like this started when, I don't know, like a couple of years ago, I came across the post of the monuments in Yugoslavia, like the this um, huge monuments built out of concrete, very brutalistic. They're like really, really old, but they look like they were just built or that they would be built like 10 years in the future. They look very futuristic. Are you familiar with with those? Have you ever uh, visited them, given that we live in ex-Yugoslavia? Yeah, I'm familiar with those sculptures. There's quite a lot of them, I think, um, scattered around the Yugoslavia. Yeah. Um, I I didn't visit it. I didn't visit them yet, but uh, I yeah, I know how they looked. It's it's completely crazy. Speaking of um, this, like old. countries that that used to be i i knew i know you visited uh chernobyl or pripyat 
um, and you were there for quite a while. Uh, was this also because of the fascination of of the like the whole thing, or did you just want to see it the the destruction up close? Yeah, I think that's something different, but still re related because I'm fascinated with uh, with this post-apocalyptic scenes, mm -hmm. you know, where something really horrible happens and there's a destruction left behind. Um, so that's my main obsession with uh, Chernobyl because it's a it was a nuclear accident. Um, but yeah, it goes well together with uh, all the industrial parts that are in there with uh, all the concrete and metals and everything is exposed and actually left there to decompose. <laughs> so, yeah, I really enjoyed my time in Chernobyl, um, which is, I think it's like a two-hour drive away from Kiev mm -hmm. where I stayed for most of the part. You've been in Kiev, right? Yeah, I've been a couple of times. Uh... Yeah. What, uh, where exactly have you been in Kiev? Oh, just the city center, because I always went there just for the conference. So I was there for mm -hmm. just a short amount of time every time. But I, I did like the, the city. Yeah, the city center is pretty amazing in Kiev. I didn't manage to explore any outskirts or basically anything else, but in the center it was really nice. Yeah, I'm, I was. I think the first time I was there, I was surprised by how clean it was and i'm i'm not saying like it's spotless or anything but i don't know the, there's this um unfair image we have in our minds of like eastern europe and you, you imagine you come there and it will be like that scene from the euro trip or something like that mm -hmm. <laughs> you're like <laughs> yeah, yeah. this is gonna be you know a shithole but it's not like it's actually nice uh i think there are scenes like that but more in the towards the, the edge of the city you still have these scenic Eastern blocks uh, mm -hmm. kind of uh, scenes there. But yeah, you can't see them in the center anymore because it's pretty much, you know, it's they have more money. It's more adapted to tourism. And yeah. Um, and when in, in Pripyat, uh, did you did you find any uh, unexpected uh, or, or like, did you find any computers on unexpected places? <laughs> Actually, I did. <laughs> <laughs> there was there was a lot of computers scattered around this tiny little field uh like uh, they were trying to get rid of those computers and uh, they were really old i think even soviet computers mm -hmm. uh with their very distinct uh, brutalist shape and yeah i took a lot of pictures of those computers there yeah, the, the reason I, I used this warning and I brought it up is because you also run this um, Instagram account, which I think is amazing. And as far as I can see, it's really growing in, in popularity, where it's basically just like the name said, like computers in unexpected places. Yeah. And it, it is it's something else. <laughs> yeah, I could never imagine a stupid shit like that would grow so much. You know, it was just my hobby for some time to collect images of computers in in like unexpected places like <laughs> computers uh in in water computers on a tree uh or in, in any other weird place so i started collecting those images from various meme sites or wherever i 
I found them. And I just started, you know, when I had a couple, I just started publishing them. I, I made a Facebook page and then later I made an Instagram page and I just started publishing them and people seem to really like it. And I don't know, it's, it's really growing in popularity. And since then I have uh, uh, ran out, out of, out of uh, these images. And what happened is that people started sending them sending me uh sending me images that they found so now it's kind of a self-sustained project <laughs> i don't have to look for That's images awesome. anymore because they just get them and then <laughs> i publish them so it's pretty amazing and i get messages all the time like you have a very good meme page this is so good i really enjoy your page and stuff like that so um that's gets me really warm in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> do you, are you still the only one posting or do you have someone uh, going through submissions? Like how, how, how bad is it submission-wise? <laughs> yeah, I have to admit not, not all of the submissions are, are good, but <laughs> uh, some of them are really, 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 really nice. So no, I don't have any assistance or anything. It's, uh, it's just me. How do you think it's spread? Like how do people find it? I think because it's a very niche kind of thing, you know, and niches in, in meme communities are uh, really successful, you know. Like, for example, do you know that uh, uh, meme page where there is beans on, in different places? Somebody uh, is putting beans into various different shapes and... Uh, furnitures and whatever and 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 he takes pictures of them and posts them online and that's it it gets viral <laughs> the the meme community is pretty crazy it's really weird <laughs> people like weird things they're bored with everything on the internet and people just try to find their uh, their kicks yeah no it's uh, sometimes um i i'm fascinated by the kind of stuff the internet produces um, like I, I don't think um, anyone imagined what the internet would become 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's supposed to be like this uh, a big case of knowledge where you get everything that you want. But uh, now the internet is just like people looking at funny pictures of funny cats and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah i think even cats are not popular anymore that's like passe <laughs> yeah that's that's history i can have cheeseburgers that's history that's definitely yeah, history now now the scene has gone has uh, come up to this where you have really obscure niche things that people subscribe to it's mm. it's almost as uh, reddit with all of its uh, weird subreddits yeah um Speaking of weird stuff, I, I found the description of you that said that you're the Monty Python of programming. <laughs> can you can you explain where where did this came from? Oh oh man, <laughs> <laughs> that's I think um, I think one of my ex coworkers once said it said it to me mostly because uh, I'm able to find um, joy and humor and wretchedness that is software development you know <laughs> <laughs> um yeah sure, sure. 
maybe like I've uh, ever since I I've known you, I've been um, I don't know if the fascinated is the correct word, but like I'm very interested by the way you think, and um, one of the things you uh, I, I think uh, introduced me to, or, or at least um, showed me that it exists, is uh, stoicism. When did you come across it? Because for me, what um, uh, bothers me the most is that this is like 2,300 years plus old philosophy. And I just barely came across it. And I'm mad because um, I did actually change my life uh, around that. And um, I'm mad I didn't know about it before. So um, how did you hear about it? How did you come across that? Mm. I remember I was reading an article at some point at time and it had the word, uh, I don't remember what the article was about, mm-hmm. but it had the word stoically inside. And I, I had no idea what that meant. And I went Googling it. Uh, and the Urban Dictionary said the following example. The a man is walking on the road and somebody yells and curses at him for no good reason. And the man doesn't react and he says nothing and he walks away and he is not bothered by this at all. Uh, and, and the description said, and that man is a stoic. I was like, damn, I want to be a stoic. <laughs> I want to be like this man. <laughs> and that's where it all started, I guess. Um, then I, dive deep into the literature, read Marcus Aurelius and writings of Seneca. Uh, and that stuff really clicked, you know. And then I, I uh, discovered that a lot of my uh, role models are kind of Stoics as well, you know. Um, for example, DHH, the creator of Ruby on Rails, is also praising Stoicism. and Although reading his Twitter timeline, you would not think that because he, he gets into various rants all the time. <laughs> yeah, he throws a lot of these rants, but deep inside, I guess he's a stoic because he had to probably endure all of the uh, different hardships. Uh, even He even had to, to flee his home, I guess, now that the fires in California are going on yeah he has he has another home he'll be fine don't worry he'll be fine (laughs) yeah and i think stoicism has been like it's very popular right now right like this guy tim ferris Mm -hmm. um and ryan holiday and all of these different successful guys are attributing their success to being stoics it's it's funny you say that because the thing is um yeah I think it only seems to be popular because we go in the circles where it's talked about. But like up until a year ago, I did not come across it, even though I imagine all those guys were already practicing it. Yeah, um, I guess you just weren't in, in the circles. <laughs> you didn't. You weren't aware of it. But I, I wasn't cool enough. Yeah, no, you're one of the cool guys. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually um, stoicism as a philosophy. It kind of bothers me that it's so popular right now, right? Um, solely because I I don't like to associate myself with popular things. Right, but you're too hipster for that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, on a second thought, it's it's I don't 
I don't mind it. It's really cool that people are discovering these ancient techniques for living the good life. What's been the biggest change in your life since you started reading or practicing Stoicism? For example, it's I, I was, especially as a software developer, I was pretty anxious at times, uh, even depressed and angry as well. And practicing these stoic stuff, stoic things and stuff, uh, made me generally a lot less anxious. And I go through the day without uh, uh, trying to to play by the framework of stoics and trying to handle all the negative feelings that I get. So what what I do is I try to negatively visualize things every day. For example, uh, my car could broke, could break, uh, our company could go to hell, I could lose my home in a fire overnight, uh, I could lose a loved one. And just trying to imagine those things every day uh, makes me cherish them more and more. So that's a complete mind shift. Mm-hmm. You practice that as well, right? Yeah, um, I, I, I practice that. Um, and I, I think on the surface, this seems counterproductive. Like there is a good example in the, the book I keep recommending now to everyone who would listen. Um, the problem is people don't listen anymore. <laughs> Um, is the the guide to the good life and the the example uh, it gives there is about uh, two fathers both have like daughters and uh, one of them is just like being every other father like uh, i don't know the the daughter comes downstairs she wants to talk about or like she doesn't want to talk about everything because you know she's a teenager or whatever and he just reads his newspaper or whatever uh, watches youtube videos you know because it's it's modern life and then like she she goes to um to school or whatever and the other guy the other father um he imagines that she will die like every day and this seems depressive on the on the surface but what actually happens is like when she comes downstairs he will put his uh, newspaper down or whatever and he will want to talk with her he will want to um, discuss things with her and he will uh, have a much better uh, relationship with his daughter and eventually, if the day comes, like when or if like she actually dies, the first father will always be like, oh, like, why didn't I take time? Like, he will have like a ton of regrets. And uh, the second father, of course, he will still be sad. Like, that's um, no changing that, of course. But he will know that he spent all the time that he could just um, with her and being focused on her and developing this relationship that the first father didn't and that's the thing that really clicked with me i'm like yeah that that makes perfect sense yeah exactly um it's good that you said that this might sound depressing and that uh reminds me of that some people might think stoics are these emotionless feelingless people who can't experience pain or joy Mm. Um, or even reject wealth and, and fortune, but this is actually far from the truth, right? Because yeah, I think the problem is with the word itself. Yeah. Um, both stoic and cynic uh, have nothing to do with their original philosophies, almost nothing. Exactly. Um, yeah, stoicism just shapes. I mean, it has probably it has a negative connotation from from the past, but I'm not sure why. 
But yeah, I agree with what you said. Um, Stoicism essentially means that you're very well aware of that all the things are temporary. Everything is transient. Um, and you just have to enjoy the moment, I guess. And the the thing about death that you said, I think a lot of Stoics are uh, swearing by this Latin proverb called memento mori, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It means remember you will die. Act accordingly. Yeah. And like I said, on, on the surface, um, it uh, it does seem like a depressive state of mind. But uh, at least for me, ever since I've been trying to practice that, that's that's the other thing. Like, none of us are perfect. And Stoics take this for granted. Like, even when you read Seneca, who's like probably, arguably, the biggest Stoic of all time, even when you read his text, he's like, he wasn't perfect. He knew he wasn't perfect, but he was trying to get better striving to get better and i think this is um this also really clicked with me because i was not expected to be perfect from the get-go because many other um, philosophies or religions even expect you to be this perfect uh like prototype of the of the man or uh, woman they want you to be and here it's like clear that even the people uh teaching that were not perfect but they were striving to be right every day mm-hmm yeah, the difference with, uh, if you compare religion and Stoicism, is that religion has rules and ideals mm-hmm. where you ha- you, you're trying to fit into those <laughs> models, if you want. Uh, whereas philosophy is just like a framework for life mm-hmm. and you want to improve yourself. It's, it's funny because we like to use frameworks uh, and programming <laughs> and it's funny to me because we always resort to, to frameworks uh, trying to apply them everywhere which makes sense because frameworks were um, usually do- done by people who are much smarter than us <laughs> so <laughs> so why not adopt them yeah um i uh... I agree, especially with the with the word you usually there. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Do you do you write a diary or journal? This this is something I wanted to to ask you. How how does this look like your journaling routine, mm-hmm. and what what are the benefits of it, and what did you notice? Yeah, so I I uh, wrote a blog post on my blog where I write once every two years or something like that. Um, Everywhere I read about Stoics is like, yeah, pretty much everyone had a diary or like a journal where they wrote down things from their life. And especially like at the end of the day, they reflected back on uh, on their day and how they would be better, I guess, the next day. I found this, I think, via Tim Ferriss, but I'm not sure because I don't listen to his podcast, but I did read his books. So I'm not sure where I came across this, but um, it's this five minute journal. And the thing with this is like you take five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening, uh, although it's usually less. Um, and it's, it follows very strict form. And that's what I like about it. Like I'm not good at free form writing where I, when I have, when I don't know what to write about. But this five minute journal, um, basically, you, you write down things uh, in the morning, basically, things you are grateful for. Uh, so that's like a gratitude journal. 
things you're looking forward to do in a day and um, sort of aspirations for, for your day. Like how, how do you want to feel like? And that already from the get-go, like I do that when I wake up and that puts you in a certain mood. It, it like prepares your brain for the day. And I found that really beneficial. Like you wouldn't believe that it actually has effect, but it, it does. And then at the end of the day, you just write out like three things, three good things that happened during the day and uh, two things that you plan on improving the next day. So like, how could today be better? And it sounds very simple. It sounds dumb, but I, I'm practicing this for like two months or something, but I'm already seeing like benefits do you, do you sometimes uh, go back and reread uh, what you have written in the past? I've only done this a couple of times, but uh, I am using a day one journal. It's an, it's an app. And what I am looking forward to is uh, a year from now or like 10 months or whatever, where uh, when I'll be doing this for a year, because it shows you like uh, things from a year ago and I am looking forward to that because I will see myself grow. And I know that because I already see this on Facebook. Facebook, that's, <laughs> it's sadly one of the only reasons I'm still using Facebook because it has this on this day functionality. And I see posts like from five years ago, 10 years ago, and I'm like, oh, I'm such a different person now and I'm moving in the right direction. So I am, I'm happy about it. And I, I like to look on the past. I like to reflect on the past and seeing where I was and that I'm happy that I'm no longer there. Mm -hmm. That's a very good technique. Another uh, morning technique that uh, I think it's very good is, uh, I think Marcus Aurelius uh, written this in his book Meditation, is that every time that you wake up, you have to tell yourself that you'll be greeted by shitty things today. <laughs> <laughs> you'll be greeted by ignorant, arrogant people. And are all sorts of problems, and that get, gets you in the uh, in the proper shape that you're gonna have to deal with today. So is that what you're practicing? Yeah. No. So you you prepared like that for this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny because again, it sounds a bit depressing, and it sounds even uh, pessimistic, mm -hmm. right? But it's it's not. It's just mentally preparing for all the obstacles that comes uh, that you're gonna have to uh, deal with on that day i think a lot of um like human happiness depends on setting expectations um if you have really low expectations it's very hard that things will be worse than you imagine so whatever happens is better than what you expected so uh, from that perspective you're then happy or happier mm -hmm. yeah exactly uh, all that sounds like common sense, right? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things that sound like common sense, but we still don't do it. Or we actively do, well, we as human, we actively do another thing, even though we know it's bad for us. Exactly. Yeah. For for example, all of the stoicism is actually just common sense, right? Why would I practice stoicism when I can practice common sense? But it's, uh, I discovered that it's, it's easier to practice something with a that has a name and maybe a face or whatever you know you can kind of relate to it where stoicism has all these greeks 
and Roman philosophers. Uh, the whole aesthetic of it, it's pleasant as well, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's easy to relate to that uh, in comparison to just common sense. So you said that you you believe the thing is popular now. So um, are you recommending this to to your friends or people you meet? Because that's what I do all the time. And I know that maybe maybe I'm annoying. I don't know yet. But <laughs> I really, because I know how much it improved my life, I want other people to have a better life as well. So I am constantly recommending this to people. And I'm, I'm wondering if you're doing the same thing. Uh, uh, maybe. Um I'm not forcing this onto anybody until I see they are uh, susceptible to philosophy or they they are trying to find something to improve their life. I'm not I'm not going to recommend this to somebody who has no aspirations for improving their life or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But uh, once we get into a discussion for um, and we discuss the problems and how to live uh, a better life, then, yeah, I, I, I'm a very big proponent of Stoicism, and I recommend books and, material, and materials and explain the essence of it. What's your, uh, what's your favorite material, material on this topic? I, you know, I, I like, the, like I mentioned before, A Guide to the Good Life. I like that book um, because I think it's approachable even to people who, like you said, might not really be prepared to to adapt a new philosophy. Because it's very, uh, for lack of better word, like pop. It's it's very approachable to to people. At least like the first chap chapters are in in very common sense. Explain like why the author thinks everyone should have a philosophy. Because um, that that's also one of my greatest passages in the book is that in in ancient Greece uh, you didn't pick uh, like what you're gonna study based on the field of subject you you pick the philosophy and then you chose that school and you follow that philosophy so you had a life philosophy and what we're doing now we're just aimlessly wandering around with whatever skills we have and we have like most people have no higher purpose in life have no think to to go to like um i think in the 90s or early uh, 2000s the materialism was like very very popular like that's that's the only way you could show the wealth or whatever or and and that's what you wanted to do like you wanted to brag to your friends oh i have this fancy new car and I think nowadays that's traveling, like everyone is traveling everywhere and everyone's saying, oh, I've been here, I've been there, like I've been to this country, have you even heard this country exists? And um, I don't think that necessarily brings happiness. I, I Well, I, I know it doesn't bring happiness. And I think it's just this um, wandering around for higher purpose in life where maybe people should go, should take a step back and, and read uh, a book on any philosophy it doesn't have to be stoicism like anything that's a very good point i agree with you that um <clears throat> traveling has become the new materialism um and all the things that uh, that brings into the mixture like showing off on instagram and stuff like that and i agree with you that people should definitely take a step back and instead of traveling 
and buying stuff, they should be traveling to their own minds, trying to improve there. Yeah, the sad part when you say something like this, people think of you as a, is a is that weirdo or or that like I don't know. Um, the the sad part is for some reason it's not. Um, it in in the community we live in in the current world we we live in it's not popular to to follow uh, philosophy it's not popular to have different worldview than the majority and I really hope this will change because it's driving the world mad and sad like I see I see a lot of people um, like you mentioned Instagram they're having like this perfect Instagram life and. There are teenagers following those people, um, influencers or whatever you want to call them. And they think, oh, they have like a perfect life. And then those teenagers or not even teenagers, like even people our age or, or older, see these people, see these moments of their life. And they think this is how their life constantly looks, where it's like the furthest from the truth. Like it it bothers me. Well, not bothers. It saddens me, actually, when I go hiking and I see people taking photos just so they and and they do this like for an hour to make that one perfect photo they will put on instagram and as soon as the photo shoot is over like they're sad they're they're just like what am i even doing in my life but on instagram they look perfect and people follow them and they think oh their life is just perfect all the time why does my life suck so much and then they take they, they become depressive they start taking pills or they like they do suicide which is horrible but this is what's happening now and no one is talking about it yeah a lot of people lead uh an instagram driven life <laughs> so <laughs> you're you're designing your life around instagram trying to go to places take that perfect shot take the perfect selfie and publish it for likes yeah so that's immensely sad yeah I, I just don't find any words um it's i mean also yeah now this uh, conversation took a, a dark turn but i i think it's good because we should talk about these topics and we we aren't so let's at least let's at least have it on this niche podcast <laughs> yeah maybe that's your darkest uh podcast until now but there has to be one <laughs> yeah i know but but i i like to talk about th these things i um I, I think we should talk about it more and not just in this like uh, m midnight shows or whatever, like when no one watches TV, like this should be mainstream. It should mainstream should be that um, the antidepressants are on the rise. Uh, like never before in the history have we taken so much antidepressants. Uh, the suicide rates are on the rise. Everything's on the rise. Whereas we've never as a humanity been so well off. Like we've never had, um, so little poverty. Um, there's almost like nowhere in the world where um, you don't have the basic means of survival now. And it's never been like that in the history of humanity. Yet we've never been more depressed. <laughs> it makes no sense. Yeah, it's a very weird paradox that we are living right now. And <laughs> so what's your favorite book? Because you, you asked me, like, what's your favorite material on the topic? Um my favorite book on stoicism or in general um no just like um i guess material on on stoicism i'll, I'll just repeat the the question that you asked me in addition to the guide to the good life which is 
the the basics i guess for any modern stoke is i really like orion holidays the obstacle is the way mm-hmm. have you read it no not yet i i have i i did buy it yeah. but i haven't read it yet i have so many books man Ugh. well to me ryan is like the modern marcus Aurelius. <laughs> i just love that guy and how he is able to form uh thoughts on stoicism um so yeah this book kind of changed my life and how i think about and how i approach problems and it it taught me that obstacles aren't just like hurdles you have to overcome uh, but they're in fact opportunities mm-hmm. right uh, because you can get so much more out of it if you take a look at it from the right angle and this this book provides a lot of real life stories and examples that just are so great that it just makes you feel very good. I mean, it's kind of a self-help book, but it's also a stoicism book and it's, I really recommend it. But, but stoicism is about self-help, right? It's, it's helping yourself be a better person, be a happier person. Yeah. Self-help books sometimes have this negative sound to it. Yeah. Because most of the time they're, they they're this instant it's the same with diets like everyone expects oh i'm gonna read this book and i'm gonna be happy for the rest of the life or i'm gonna take this short diet and i'm gonna be thin for the rest of the life (laughs) no that's that's not how world works yeah sometimes we associate self-help books with some sleazy uh little i mean simple book that somebody wrote just for the money Mm -hmm. but uh, good self-help books are amazing for your life and all, all of these uh, stoic materials are like that. Mm-hmm. Can you give an example of like um, one obstacle uh, or, or something like that that before would, I guess, throw you throw you out of your rhythm, but now you embraced it? Uh, I guess it's I can relate this to software development, right? Mm-hmm. Because in software, I just accepted the fact that everything is going wrong all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so that's something that really uh, made me anxious in the past. But now I just uh, live with it. And once the these obstacles come and we have to um, go through it or around it or get rid of it, I always find an opportunity to learn about how to handle it or how to improve in some other places um, how to be more effective next time and try to leverage it in some ways i don't have any concrete concrete examples right now but uh, this uh, mental technique paid off big time Mm -hmm. and uh, since we're approaching the end of the show um, i i I think you're already prepared but um, what would be like uh, three books or articles or videos that you could recommend to our listeners? I I have one book to recommend that it's really good um, and I have read it a lot of times. Besides the Guide to the Good Life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not going to talk about that anymore. It's enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's from Dale Carnegie. Mm-hmm. It's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yeah. This is a classic, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a brilliant book on how to perform social interactions the right way. 
Uh, it's a very old book, I think, from the 19, 1930s. Yeah, it's very old. It's actually uh, a wonderful book. On It's not a self-help book per se, but it's uh, actually a book on human psychology and how, why do we act the way we do. And there's a lot of these little stories inside and tricks that you can implement in your daily life as you interact with people. And it's... Uh, it's a really nice it's a really nice book about that then i want to mention patrick mckenzie and his blog Mm -hmm. you know patio right yeah yeah (laughs) yeah his works on his blog really make a big uh, really made a big change on in my life and my professional life as well because he writes on software and combining it with business and it's really He's a really knowledgeable guy, and I heavily recommend all of his uh, greatest hits on his blog. <laughs> I also recommend following him on Twitter. Uh, whenever I see he's writing on Twitter with in his uh, uh, threads, I just uh, drop everything and, <laughs> and read everything that he has to say because it's always gold, really insightful stuff. Uh, the next thing I want to recommend is our videos from James Mickens. James Mickens is a computer science professor from Harvard who delivers hilarious talks and keynotes and he mixes stand-up comedy with computer science. And it's a true delight to watch that because it's it's so funny and it uh, provides a lot of knowledge on how computer science works and his ideas while he mixes it with truly obscure sometimes uh humor in his stand-up routines i hmm. uh, so that's james mickens do, do you have like a prototypical one to to recommend I, I can recommend one it's uh a video on why blockchains are a bad idea <laughs> <laughs> oh there goes another topic <laughs> yeah luckily it's not a topic for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, um, uh, yeah, thank you for uh, recommendations. Thank you for your time. Uh, thank you for your deep uh, insights into 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 this. Like, um, no matter the slightly depressive and dark topics, I really enjoyed this conversation. Me too, Miha. Good luck with your podcast. Thank you. And uh, yeah, see you. See you on the next techno party. <laughs> right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. All right. This was my interview with Matiz. I would love if you would share this podcast with your friends and followings. Send them a message, a tweet or a Facebook post. You want your friends to listen to a good podcast, right? If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, you would truly make my day if you post a review there. There are a couple already, but there's never enough. If you use a different app like Breaker, Overcast or anything that supports liking or favoriting, I'd appreciate your action there as well. This helps other people discover this podcast and there can never be too many listeners. You can also support this podcast with your hard-earned money. So I would invite you to do so by visiting patreon.com slash That's patreon.com slash p-a-r-p-a-s-p-o-d. Or open the show notes in your podcast app and follow the Patreon link there. Every dollar goes toward covering the hosting costs. Thank you. You can find this show on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. We are at Parapasspot on all of them. All the links from this episode are in the show notes and on our website parallelpassion.com 18. 
Thank you for listening and have a passionate day. Estou a ver se me